Welcome to Kingdom Testimony. This is Lisa and I'm continuing with the series from uh, 2018. I have some dates <coughs> wrong in my notebook here. Um, I'm at March 27th and um, I just want to say if it sounds really rumbly in here it's because we're having a storm that's coming through it's still sunny but the winds are like up to 60 mile an hour gusts so I hope it's not too distracting um, and I'm in the RV so it does get a little loud in here all right March 27th 2018 and I want to say again that this um, <clears throat> what I'm chronicling is not going to go up to 2022. So it only goes like into early 2019. And I've chosen a point um, and things will start to move a little quicker, I would assume, because the first part of 2018 was pretty active. Um, I've chosen a point where I believe was like the climax of all of this that went on in 2018. Okay, March 27th, I woke up and I was seeing a vision. I see in my spiritual sight a timeline of sorts. See drawing, I wrote in here, I made a drawing of it, and realize it resembles musical notes in sheet music. I started then hearing bells as I was waking up. I was thinking in the timeline is this the 2018 timeline? And it, it did look like, I didn't see like lines like you would in sheet music, but I was seeing notes, not with the little lines that go up, but just notes that were like up and down on a page. And it looked to me like, um, like sheet music. And some of them were solid dots and like some of them were open circles or that would be a longer period of time i then felt 21 months in the spirit so i wrote down 12 plus 9 equals 21 and that somehow i concluded that that would be the end of 2019 which is very interesting because at the end of 2019 i started moving up here um then um, song changed in my head. I'm forgiven at the foot of the cross. All right. Um, the next day, I was in the shower. I'm, I'm having to go through and read a lot of my notes. Some stuff is irrelevant and other things I, you know, too personal to share, but um, I prayed this morning after my shower um, about the timeline of notes and if I wanted to continue in this thing that involved humility, um, you know, having to quit the classes that I was taking. I was thinking of the verse, multitudes in the valley of decision. And then the Lord was impressing on, my, on me the next thing would be union with Jesus. 
So I prayed about it in the shower, and the Lord said it will involve great loss. Do you still want it? Um, I did not hesitate, and he said, when do you want to start? And I said, now, today. Um, so that night we were taking my mother-in-law to the movie The Passion of the Christ, and I think I mentioned this before. I had seen it before, but um, <clears throat> it was I was really distracted because the kids were in the room, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if the kids should see this part, and it was when it first came out. So now years later, I'm like, I want to go see it. I want to go see it. So during the, uh, there was the horrific cross scenes. First, I want to say, when we got there, me and my husband and his mother, we got there, and the seats, the only seats that were left in the, in the one um, small theater, like there's, there's a lot of, you know, theaters inside this one building, but the only seats left were really bad. Um, we had to sit in handicap seats for her. And the seats in front of us were really tall. And we were all looking at each other like, we can't see the subtitles, because it's with subtitles. And we can't see like the bottom fourth of the screen. It was like, oh, this is bad. Well, it started to play and we're like, oh, crap. You know, this is not good. And of course she can't sit up any higher and I'm craning my neck and and then all of a sudden the movie quit and the guy came in and he said we're having trouble with the projector so if if everybody I know I'm sorry you know there's quite a few people in here but if everybody can go to the viewing room next door then um, we'll get it started on there and so my husband's like, quick, let's go get some good seats, you know. And, and I didn't feel bad because, um, you know, my mother-in-law was like 89 years old. And it's like, she, she had never seen it. So we, you know, bustled her into the next viewing room and we had really good seats. Um, they were kind of where we were before in the handicap section. Um, but the seat in front of us were lower so we could see it really good okay I just want to say right there I was like oh thank you God thank you um, so then there was a horrific scene I remembered the vision I had this winter while I was in the lazy boy on a break it was Jesus face I was looking up from the left it was a horrific scene kind of dark like a shaking camera and this was January 24th I think I already said it in this I thought it was to show how bad you know like God's media effects you know it was dark and shaking because it was the actual scene of the moment he died. And I put in parentheses, you died. I thank and praise him for showing me that. In the movie, it depicted Mary's anguish, and I felt for her as a mother whose child is being tortured and murdered in front of her eyes. It was so heart-wrenching, but I felt my guilt as well. And if you've seen The Passion of the Christ, I was really drawn to Mary's... Um, they, Mel Gibson really portrayed her anguish over this happening to her son and I was thinking of my two sons that lived you know a thousand or so miles away two thousand miles away and I'm like oh I don't even get to see them anymore you know and I was just like oh this is just heart wrenching it really affected me really did 
So then when the movie was over, um, we did what we normally do. We go in and we refill the popcorn bucket and ask them for, you know, like uh, tin foil to put over the top. My husband is really cheap. And we take it home. And so um, they had met me there, my husband and his mother, because um, I was working from home and he wasn't. He was working, you know, over closer to where she lived. So he had picked her up. So I refilled the popcorn bucket and Kevin left to take his mom home while I left in my car toward our apartment. As I was leaving the parking lot, I situated the popcorn bucket on the stuff that was on the seat next to me to steady it so it didn't tip. And right away, you know, as I'm pulling out, I didn't hit a bump or anything. It just tips a little bit and a bunch comes off the top. Oh yeah, they didn't have any tin foil or the line, no, the line was too long. So I didn't get tin foil for the top. I thought, well, I'll just steady it with my hand. And a bunch comes off the top and I was like, you know, and, and rests on my stuff, you know, by my seatbelt and the journal and stuff like that and the crack. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, and I started laughing and I, so I tried eating what spilt and put the rest back on top of a full bucket. I get most of it cleaned up and I resituate the bucket a few blocks later as I'm driving and it tips again, like for no reason, it just tips. And I'm, and I'm trying to steady it already and it still is the same, spills the same amount in the same spots. By then I'm laughing a hearty laugh. And to me, I realized it was Jesus having some fun with me. I teasingly chided him like a mom would to her adult son. And I felt like he was saying, you know, I know that was heartbreaking for you to watch me being tortured as a mom, you know, who doesn't get to see her kids very often. I mean, they're grown and they have their own lives and everything. And he moved me 2000 miles away, <clears throat> you know, and he was just like, it's okay. It's okay. You know, and I was just, it just really affected me. It really affected me. Um, so the next morning I, wo I woke up at 4 a.m. and I lifted up my left hand because I could feel the presence of Jesus in the room. There was tingling in my legs, my calves, and my feet, and it, was, it grew very strong. As, as long as I focused on him, it, it grew and was strong, and I knew he was there. When my attention went toward myself, it would stop. I was able to immediately refocus on him, and it would come back. That's how I knew it was the Holy Spirit. I wasn't able to keep the focus on Jesus, and it left. It meaning the feeling of his strong presence. The tingling stayed. Then right away I felt evil lurking in the room. I lowered my left hand and I prayed. After that, about two minutes later, his presence returned, but it wasn't as strong. Last night with the popcorn thing, I said, I wish you were with me like this always. And he said, I am always with you. So this morning, after the above happened, um, and then before falling asleep again, I was watching a running picture show, like a timeline going from left, from the left coming from the right. It was going to the left coming from the right. So that's like backwards, but, and it was the story of my life. It was feeding from the right, like on spools, 
like a movie theater, I suppose, to the left, like a movie that has already been written. It was in black and white and really faded or shaded. I felt events to come. That's what I, that's what I thought. Um, <clears throat> so a couple of days later on March 31st, um, I had been trying to give the Lord two hours a day, either in Bible study and prayer and worship and, you know, learning of some, some sort. Well, I was in the prayer closet and I clearly heard him say, I want four hours. He wanted me to give him four hours a day now. And I knew this was going to affect my marriage because even though I worked at home, my workday was like six, seven hours a day. A total of that would be 10 or 11 hours a day. So I knew it was going to start affecting my home life um, with my husband. But um, that's just what I figured is going to have to be. Um, it was just the way it's going to have to be. And then a couple of days later, I started thinking about back when I left my job in 2014, my old job, the one I was doing now where I worked at home. Worked from home, I was um, a lay guardian ad litem, but before that I was working for the USDA. And at that point when I quit, the Lord had told me he wanted four hours a day back then, and I had completely forgotten about it. But he was being very patient and saying, I still want that four hours a day. So I was like, okay, well, let's do it then. So what I decided I needed to do was get more efficient at my job so that I could shave some time off there. They, they paid for as um, work completed and I didn't, I, I didn't have to like clock in or anything. They said, as long as your work is completed, we know what a seven and a half hour days worth of work is. You know, you don't, it was a nonprofit there. Like, you don't need to keep a, a time clock or anything. So, <clears throat> and, and so to that, I added another hour in the prayer closet. I know that sounds like a lot, but at the time I was like, okay, this is, it was like he was driving me to do this. And then I added more, another hour of more Bible study mixed with um, teachings online. And I would wait for the Lord to like lead me to who he wanted me to learn from. Also during this time, I took another trip to my sisters in Minneapolis for a three-day um, kind of revival, prophecy, conference, kind of stuff like that. And that must have been really good because I, I have good notes in there. Um, up to April 10th, in the prayer closet today, the Lord said, I want you to speak. I just want you to speak. 
and he meant with that speaking um, not at first about writing he just wanted me to start speaking up and a long time before that when I was first saved um, he showed me that he would bring me to people is that Ezekiel 3 where I will take you to whom I want you to speak to don't be afraid of their faces don't be dismayed um, turn your forehead as flint maybe you know the verses I'm talking about um, don't be dismayed at their looks but just go to whom I'm sending you to and speak and if they turn from their wicked ways then the blood is not on your hands but if you don't speak and warn them now I'm also paraphrasing out of I think another book in the Bible is that Jeremiah maybe that's still Ezekiel um, <clears throat> so if you warn them if they hear good if they don't listen to you then the blood's not on your hands but if you don't if you as a watchman if you don't warn them then the blood is on your hands and so these are the these are the verses that I'm thinking of at the time and so at this time I just realized I have to start getting bold then you know I need to just start speaking it out and you know just saying sorry I have to do something I just have to start speaking it out and saying what the Lord wants me to say now my husband's family at the time <clears throat> a lot of them were believers but they did not like to hear me witnessing it's like um yeah we believe in God okay we go to church all right yeah yeah don't you know stop okay April 14th I must have went to my sister's again because I went to her church we went to a Hillsong conference very loud did not feel much anointing there I love their music it was too much of a concert for me just saying too many bright lights it was just too concerty um, and then I went to my sister's church where the guy gives prophecies and I think I said before I'm not like a prophecy hound I don't run around you know wanting to get prophecies and that sort of thing but him and his associate pastor the ones I had gotten from them before which I think was just one other two others maybe were very very good and spot-on things he could not have known things even my sister didn't know about me and she's like I promise I'm not telling them or giving them hints um, this time I brought my husband and we asked if they would pray over him and that one was an eye-opener can't say what it was but he was not too pleased about it he did have to admit later on things again that my sister wouldn't have known so she couldn't have clued you know her pastor in but later on he was like Ooh, okay um, and then that morning when I woke up I saw a vision of my eyes and remember the last time I had seen a vision of me 
I was worshiping and my eyes had like dark scales over them. This morning my eyes were clear sky blue. Um, I didn't see, I didn't see the vision that clearly, but I could tell that my eyes were clear sky blue. And he said, you don't yet have the full understanding. That's why the vision was hazy. And I'm like, oh, good though. Good. The scales are gone. That's wonderful. Um, and then I just have some notes about the, uh, about the prayer closet. We're into mid-April, moving right along. Okay, and then I have notes from after we got back from that weekend. Um, in the middle of the night, April 17th, I woke up and I felt like there was fire in my veins. That's all I wrote. I remember it. Um, yeah, and from then on, I started to do some fasting because I wasn't sure what that was all about, but there was definitely, it felt like fire was going through my veins. And it was at this point, <clears throat> I started talking to my daughter about about a lot of this stuff and she was getting you know pretty intrigued I mean she knows me and and uh, and she knew that her walk wasn't as serious as as it should be like you know like all of us and um, she was getting very intrigued and then the Lord started showing me a lot of things like in revelations and I'm like oh dear things are getting serious and then he showed me the open door to heaven um, is that Revelations, end of three, beginning of four. And then April 20th, yesterday a.m., I was in a pocket or a realm. I heard Jesus whisper audibly in my spirit while dozing, trying to calm from the previous long day. And he said, I am right with you. I could hear him whispering audibly, but what he was saying was like, I am with you, I will be with you, I shall be with you. Um, I was re rearranging my post-its later and one prominently said, don't be afraid, he is right with you. And I was like, okay, that's what he said. I am right with you because later on on a post-it note, it, I, I saw one that said that. I'm like, okay, whoo. Uh, the job that I had as a as a lay guardian ad litem, they were it's it's like a volunteer in other states, but in North Dakota they would pay for you to um, represent foster kids in court, and some days were really really hard. I just have to say, what happens with those foster kids? Um, hmm. Just really, really hard. And then, so later, I started thinking about door, and I was doing um, some studying on door. Is the Lord going to open a door for me, a door of opportunity, of utterance? He already has been. And then the verse, build up, build up, build up the highway. I, oh, am I going to travel? Okay, 
Well, I don't know. Maybe. I'll travel, be an evangelist. I never wanted to be an evangelist. My sister did. And I was like, oh, you're crazy. But then as this stuff all started happening to me, you know, I was going into five months of this and um, pretty actively for four. And I'm like, I think I could do I could do the evangelist thing. You know, if the Holy Spirit was going to help me, I could do that. Um, so about this time, late April, me and my husband, he had to bring a truck full of things out to a... It was like um, in Las Vegas where they would do like a big show for his company, the company he worked for. So he had to bring a semi out there, and so I got the time off from work <clears throat> and went with him. It was for a long weekend. And, you know, during the time, we, we were spending a lot of time together in the truck, and I was talking to him about the things that were taking place, and I could tell he was getting a bit uncomfortable. So um, the Lord started showing me things that related to people that were rejecting the things of the Lord and I was I was getting a little concerned about it um, you know it was not good because because he wanted to go to Las Vegas and you know what you do in Las Vegas is you gamble and you drink and you you know and he was meeting up with other people in his line of work and that he talked to but didn't see very often and I was like okay well, I don't know those people, and I used to live by Las Vegas, um, well, over into Arizona, but we weren't that far away, and it's like, I'm not interested in gambling and, you know, drinking parties and stuff like that, but, I mean, I'm not going to stop you from hanging out with your friends. It was, it was not what he wanted to hear, not at all. So, here we are in Las Vegas. Um, well, on the way out there, I remember something happened, and did I write it down? I have to sift through my notes because I was I was watching a lot of the um, revival places me and my sister went to. They were having a lot of teaching stuff, and I was watching a lot of that. Um, but as you can imagine, uh, hubby was not very happy because we were on our way to Las Vegas. We were not on our way to a prophecy conference, which he didn't go to any of those with me, but he did go to like a couple of the other things. He went to the revival night thing and he went to the concert and then he went to um, my sister's church service and he was like, well, it's not my, really my thing. I'm Lutheran. Hello. Um, but he was seeing how I was getting very much involved with what the Lord was doing. And I don't even know. At this point, I didn't know what the Lord was doing. All I know is the Lord said, I want four hours a day. You know? Um, and I was still experiencing a lot of the tingling. And then, um, like, vibrations were still going on. It was like a frequency thing going on in my body. And he could feel it. He was just getting very uncomfortable with all of this. I don't blame him at all. It was very different. Um, the Lord said he's going to be amping things.
things up. I was I was writing in my journal April twenty third, twenty second, about you know the visions and dreams, and it came to mind. I've been preparing my whole life to go to whom, like he said when I was first saved, I was seeing that in Ezekiel three. Go to whom to all I send you and speak. You're a watchman. Speak what he tells me to say. Um. So we're on our way to Las Vegas, and this is this. I'm on this. I'm not even, you know, anticipating, you know, what's going on in Las Vegas. Like I said, I already spent time there. When it will be ushered in quickly. Once it starts, it will not turn back. The vibrations are just the beginning, birthing, and travail. In the truck by Salt Lake City, I was doing a study on sin, um, blood spilt on the ground, and things like that, and lots of studying, and then the 25th we're at the Rio in Las Vegas, um, and I didn't want to stay in Las Vegas, I wanted to go see my kids who live in Arizona, not very far away, and so he was like, okay, well, let's go do that we'll go visit my sister in Phoenix at the same time so we didn't stay in Phoenix we were there for I think we were there for almost a week we I thought it was a long weekend but we had like three days to run around and visit people okay so <clears throat> I need to put this in here this was April 27th we were at his sister's and I'll end with this and I will start up with it again next week because it's very important in the story. Very, very important. Um, my husband had a leg shaking habit. Uh, maybe you've seen people like that. They, they, their leg will bounce. They'll just bounce their leg during the day to be while they're sitting at the table, while they're, you know, doing anything in a sitting posture, leg bouncing, leg bouncing. <clears throat> and I just always thought that it was a anxiety tick. And his family would laugh about it. And when I met him and I was dating him, they're like, so what do you think about the, the leg shaking thing? And he would just kind of get embarrassed. And he's like, no, no, you know. <clears throat> and I was like, I guess it doesn't really bother me. I just, I can't put my hand on his leg for very long and we would laugh about that. But then it would got to the point, um, like a few years into the marriage, that his leg would be shaking in the middle of the night. And it would always wake me up. And it, would, it wouldn't be just like a bouncing. It was like every 15 seconds until I would nudge him. And it's like a snoring person. I'd nudge him, you know, like change positions. He'd be like, what? Huh? Huh? Oh, okay. So in the middle of the night, it would just be like this heart shake and I'm like oh man and I'd wake up and I knew it would start a sequence of that I'm like oh so I would lay there 15 seconds later heart shake you know of his leg and I'm like oh okay and you know I would nudge him he'd move over okay so we were in um we were, I think we were at his sister's at this point. It happened once in the hotel in Las Vegas. And another time 
it happened at his sister's while we were on this trip. So last night, his leg all night, at one point, I woke up, I had been experiencing the power, the absolute overwhelming, powerful power of God, like when my mom had a this battle in her bedroom. So I was like in a battle. When my mom, um, when I had gone to stay with my mom, she, there was, I could hear the clashing of swords and things in the next room where she was at. There was a demonic spiritual battle going on in her room. It was the same kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, this leg shaking thing, this thing is, this thing is bad. This thing ha is bad. Um, so this was the one at his sister's. And then when we got into the hotel room, it happened again. And I got up. I, I couldn't get him. It couldn't, it wouldn't stop even when he changed positions and it wouldn't really wake him up. He would sleep through it. And, um, I got up, <clears throat> went into the bathroom, and this bathroom in the hotel had a little square window where you could look through and see the bed area. It was really weird. And as I was looking, I don't see it in my notes here, but as I was looking into the window, I felt a demonic presence in the bedroom area as I was looking through the window, and I'm like, oh, this leg shaking thing is not good. This is not just a, um, oh, an anxiety tick. This is not good. And it has a, a lot to do with the story. So I'll leave it there and we'll come back to it next week. Have a blessed day.